Community Conversations with Community Centres SA. Here's Kerry Ackermans. Currently listed as the seventh top destination to visit in the world in the New York Times for 2023, Kangaroo Island has much to offer the world. It will increasingly become a popular tourism location which will need to serve the thousands of tourists expected every year. So who serves the community and keeps them going to ensure visitors and the community have a vibrant community space to interact with and support in times of need? Kangaroo Island Community Centre is the hub of the island and provides a raft of services and programs to the community. The on-site coordinator, Marie Baldwin, joins me to share the great work they are doing for the community. Marie, you've been involved in the community sector for a long time. Tell us your journey of how you got involved with the Kangaroo Island Community Centre. Well, Kerry, I've been living on the island since 2010. And when I first moved here, I was looking for a volunteer role and went to work for the local youth services, which I ended up becoming an employee and worked there for a couple of years before heading to local council. And at local council, my role was a community development space, so really working with community and council about trying to realise some opportunities for community to do some great stuff. And whilst I was there was when Junction was looking at building a hub, community hub, but with social services that sat within it. And I thought I'd throw my hat in the ring, and here I am eight years later. And there's a lot that's happened in those eight years. Of course, you've had disasters, bushfires, there's been a lot of things happen on the island, and you've also been named as one of the top destinations to visit. What sort of changes are you seeing in the community, Marie, that you feel the community centre can help provide support for? It has been quite a journey over the last eight years. I think the interesting thing about the community centres is that when we first opened up, community didn't really know what we were and what what actually is a community centre. So it's taken us eight years to educate them and bring them along with the journey. I think the reality is the centre here is a safe space for people. So we've got community that can come and access some social services, supports that they need, but also we're trying to run lots of social programs You've been there for the bushfires pre, during, post. What sort of impact has it had on the community and how has the community centre been able to support? Look, I think it's a a really interesting question because predominantly I think a lot of people feel that community centres are there to support people who, who actually need it. So people who are lonely, people who have nowhere to go or people who are looking for services. But as we know, community centres are actually around social connection. And as I will always say, you know, it's not actually a photography course we're holding. For us, it's actually about we're holding a space where people can come and meet new friends and find out more about their community and who's around them. And I think through the fire space, that actually supported us a lot of ways, I think, for community to find that there was already an existing space here on the island that actually belonged to them. And I think actually the fire space sort of showed our community that we've been here before, during and after, and hopefully we're here for another 50 to 100 years. And that type of security, because for a lot of people they don't always have strong tenure in their own living space, but when a fire can take that way in a second, to have something that the community can share and protect, it does form another bond outside of the bond they have with their own home, doesn't it? Kerry, look, I mean, the reality is we were, you know, we were so busy during that period and we had lots of social services here on the island, which we needed in that emergency space. But it was interesting how, through all the noise, the community actually 
would actually come into the community centre because it was driven by a local community, it was driven by local services, it was people they know and we've become that space where people come in and they almost breathe a sigh of relief because we're the same people that they see every day, we understand and we live within their community. It, it's our home too and I think that's where community centres are really different because people are invested in where we live. Well, they certainly are and you said it's that place-based response to providing services and programs to people. So. How is the centre actually supported, Marie? How do you get your funding? For the community centre, Junction received their funding through Department of Human Services, which has been really amazing. We've now actually just received funding for a further nine years, which is really, really incredible. And that funding funds my role around creating the hub. But then we have services who sit within us who actually are all funded from various different areas from both federal and state government. And then we also look for lots of little grants that we can help to to deliver a program. For example, we've got some funding to help reactivate our youth hub through the Alcohol and Drug Foundation. So we're always looking for areas, funding that we can help support our lovely programs that we run. And it's important with youth, isn't it? Because that's one thing. People have this misconception that community centres are only for older people and they're certainly not. It's right really from cradle to grave, isn't it? Absolutely. That is so important because you're so right. People often look at community centres, oh, that's where people go and run a craft group. And that's so not true. Kangaroo Island Community Centre, we've got our community garden, we've got our youth hub, we have a music hub, we've got the community centre space, and we've also got a community bus as well. So we're really trying to make sure that we can capture as much of our wider community as we can. I'm talking to Marie Baldwin, on-site coordinator of the Kangaroo Island Community Centre. Now, you just mentioned the community gardens. I'm very passionate about community gardens because I'd like to see them being utilised more to help with the food insecurity we have currently because people don't realise how much by growing something of your own that that can help provide a meal on the table. Kerry, that is so amazingly true. The community garden we, we have have here we're very lucky through the fire space we were so lucky to be connected to the beautiful Sophie Thompson so Sophie came to the island and created a community garden in Pandana it was called a regrowth garden so it was around supporting communities who had lost their gardens in the fires and she wanted to provide a space where they could come plant together reconnect and create a beautiful garden During that time, she came and saw me at the centre because she knew our garden needed just a little bit more love and she's helped us create the most incredible community garden here at Kingscote. But recognising how important that is, one thing that the centre has done in the junction role is that we're now trying to create and keep, bring all the community gardens on the island together. So American River and Finishaw are also creating their own community gardens and so we're looking at them as a real whole one space so we're calling them the Kangaroo Island Community Gardens. You mentioned food security. It's so important. Our gardens are free and open to anybody to just come in and pick, plant, grab what fruit, veggies they need. And it's amazing how community only ever take what they need and leave what's left for somebody else. That's that generosity and understanding of sharing and caring, really, isn't it, that comes out of community centres because that is the vibe and people would feel bad if they weren't following along what's the culture of that sharing. A hundred percent. And it's beautiful how the community gardens will work with each other as well. They share seeds, they share ideas. So it's been really lovely to see that beautiful group foster. And we've now got three harvest exchanges that are also happening in Goss down on the western end. What do you mean by that, Marie? So harvest exchange is where it's people who actually grow produce at home and they bring it to a space and they either sell it really cheap and affordable for people or they just bring what's left over so that people can swap and share 
different vegetables, fruit, homegrown pickles, jams. It's a really lovely community initiative. So tell me what you are actually growing in these community gardens. Are they the same? Are there different things being grown in each of the gardens? It's really interesting that we probably have the most standard sort of things like we've got, you know, zucchinis, onions, we've got corn, we've got someone that even had potatoes growing. We're trying to find things that are really easy to grow and that people can always add to make a really good meal. And I do find all the gardens are probably quite similar, except for American River. They're going to try and create more of an orchard. They've got a beautiful mulberry tree that's 80-plus years old, so they're going to try and grow fruit orchards in American River. Oh, that's fantastic. Because anything that you can plant and grow and use, but what about things like herbs? Because they're expensive these days, but they do make a difference to a meal. Is there many herbs being grown? Oh, absolutely. You'll see lots of parsley, mint, coriander, chives. It's, it's amazing. Like, the, you know, the gardens are so they're bountiful and it's really lovely. And it's all volunteers who are running it which is the most incredible thing that these people have got amazing gardens at home, which we know take up a lot of their time, but they're still really happy to also give their volunteer time to help these gardens grow. And it's a lovely opportunity for people who might be wanting to think about starting to grow their own garden. They can come along, chat to the volunteers, who are always really happy to share knowledge, share seedlings, and just help other people just have a little bit of a start about growing some veggies at home. Now, it's interesting, Marie, you sent me some talking points for today, which is always great, but Orange the Island. I'm very curious to find out what that's all about. The Orange the Island campaign started three years ago. We felt that people didn't really understand what actually domestic violence is. And so we wanted to start a campaign, a really simple campaign that would let people know exactly what it is. So we approached Sealink. Everyone on the island knows who Sealink is. And we asked them if we could, if they would like to become a partner. So every year in November, like for this year, we've got canvas bags talking about it. Last year, we had T-shirts. The year before that, we had biscuits. And it's just about providing some information into people's hands, women and children and men, just putting some, some information into their hands about what actually is domestic violence and with some numbers and some safe numbers that they could call if they just wanted to have a question. It's been amazing getting Sealink on board. Everyone touches Sealink at some stage. So Sealink are always happy to put information around, you know, put posters every year. In the first year, myself and our domestic violence worker, we went down and we actually spoke to the workers on the boat and it was really good just to have that chat to them about what actually is domestic violence. An excellent initiative. And what's the specific campaign for this so, year? So this year was actually, uh, we, we got these canvas bags, got a printer. We had a lovely woman on the island who had been experiencing domestic violence. And she had drawn a lovely picture of a door. And she'd written, some secrets shouldn't stay behind closed doors. So we've actually taken that and we've used that as our campaign logo and we've put that onto canvas bags and we've had about 300 canvas bags printed and we're just giving them out to as many people as we can because we really want to get that message out there. Excellent. And that's what we need to keep doing because as we can see, domestic violence keeps rising. How many people are on the island now? The 2016 census, it was about 4,700. I think at the moment they're, they're picking it, it's going to peak to about 5,000. 
So it's certainly grown. When I was here in 2010, there was about 4,200 people and it's definitely grown by about 800 people now. So we're getting to become a very busy little island. And of course, tourism is growing. Southern Eco Lodges reopened and also accommodation looking to open and they'll want people to be working in that space. So you'll probably be servicing a larger population because they will in turn be servicing the growing tourism. Absolutely, you're spot on. KI is a really interesting mix because you've got the primary producers, you've got, you know, our farming, plus we've got our tourism and they're quite sort of competing spaces. But we need tourism, we need the farming, you know, we need to be a vibrant little community. Absolutely, they bring workers. And also, as we know, we always joke about over January, February, March, you know, our, our population probably grows to about 25,000 people. <laughs> That's crazy, we're always isn't on it? the island, so <laughs> we're really, really busy. Marie, you've got a mix of services. Can you just run us through the programs and services that you're running out of the centre so people can understand the breadth of what you deliver? Certainly. So we have seven permanently located services on the island or programs that are running. So, for example, we have Carers SA, we have CAMS, which is the Children and Adolescent Mental Health Service. They're based permanently. We also have NEMI, who are Community Rehabilitation and Support Workers. Community Connections Program, the Park and Support Group works from here permanently as well. And then we've got the Junction Run Services, like we've got the Domestic Violence and Family Support Service, the Homelessness Support Service, the Community Passenger Network, plus my role. We have a Volunteer Ready Program happening as well. And then lots of visiting services. So we've got legal support. We've got Indigo, which is a women's legal service, family dispute resolution, financial counselling, gambling, gaming support. Just goes on and on. It's wonderful. Community Living Australia, who, who, come, who work from here, so they offer beautiful day options. Mission Australia also offer youth and family alcohol and other drug support. And I think that's probably it, actually. But well, we grow all the time. That, that is more than enough. And Marie, what I love is, is that all of those visitors visiting programs, for them to go and hire a space elsewhere. It's not the same because you're having that continual movement, interaction, connection of people. It creates a more vibrant space, doesn't it? Absolutely, 100% right. And I think what's really lovely about it, and I would say this to any regional space, we are the ones who are connected to our community. So if you've got a, if you've got a, a visiting service that don't come regularly or, or only come every couple of weeks, they don't actually have that automatic buy-in with their community was that they come into our space, the community already have a trusted space with us. So already that visiting service is somewhere that they can sit and they're seen as a friend and not as a stranger, and that's really important. And the other lovely thing too is quite often the people who are FIFOs are alone workers as well. So they come in here, they're automatically part of a bigger family. So there's safety for them as a worker as well. And plus, if they do have a difficult day, they've also got other workers that they can have a chat to. So we've been described as a big family, which I love, and I 100% think that's what we are. Talking to Marie Baldwin, on-site coordinator of the Kangaroo Island Community Centre. Marie, I'm really glad you raised about FIFO workers because people don't understand the challenges with that. It's like an itinerant life and you don't really belong anywhere. So having somewhere you can put your feet down, and that's what community centres are so good at with place-based responses, creating those safe spaces but also it allows them to engage, suggest ideas. And I was really interested to hear about your Volunteer Ready program because we all know that to help yourself, the best thing is to help others. How many volunteers have you got working out of the centre, Marie? So at the moment, we've got eight volunteers. So we have a mix of uh, bus drivers. We have a maintenance garden man. 
we have someone who works in the youth space and then we've got our lovely women who work who actually run programs like they'll run a, a school holiday program craft program or mosaic the volunteer ready program that we've got is funding that we've received through FRRR and what it was we really understood volunteer fatigue especially after the fires and then COVID and we know lots of regional rural areas are really feeling this at the moment because small communities are made up on volunteer space and people don't just volunteer for one thing they're volunteering for two or three so we wanted some funding around looking at how can we support our small volunteer groups who are really important to small communities so we've got a lovely lady, Sarah, who is working for us. So it's one day a week for three years. And what our role working with Sarah will be is trying to understand how can we support volunteers in the community. So not necessarily volunteers within the centre space, but how can we look at a template, you know, learnings, upskilling to try and create a template that all our small volunteer groups can use to try and make their life easier. Through that, we're actually looking at creating a volunteer management system for the island. That's fantastic because, as you said, you're a small community and people don't need to be running over each other. So if you can have coordination, particularly if a disaster does strike, and we all hope there won't be one, but you can marshal who can do what quickly. Absolutely. And that is something we definitely learned from the fire space is that we had so many people putting their hands up to wanting to help. But we had nowhere to funnel what does that look like and also what skills do people have because we all know volunteering it's really about finding what fills people up. We want to find their passion. We want to find where their skills are. And so we're, we're wanting to be ready that sadly if something does happen again, that we go, you know what, we know you need that skill. We can go find those people for you. Really hone in around the emergency space, but also just around the volunteer space as a whole. And Marie, you've shared so much today, but what I really love to know, is there a story that sticks out on your mind, a success story of someone who became involved in the centre and their life was transformed because of it? We do have a beautiful lady who came to the centre about six years ago. This lovely lady had grown up on the island all her life. She'd raised her family. Her husband had passed away, so she was living on her own and she was living out quite isolated in the islands. So she recognised that she had to move, sell home and move into Kingscote to be closer to services. In her clean-up, she came across all her old craft gear. So she popped in one day to the centre to say, I've got all this craft, would you like to have it? So we said, well, why don't you come back on Friday when the craft group's here and you can have a chat to the girls? So she did. She wasn't interested in being part of the centre because she didn't feel that she needed it. But once she'd moved from being out in the farm where she was used to and moving into Kingscote, she realised actually how lonely she was and how her life had changed completely. So a couple of weeks later, she actually popped back into the centre. She has been with us now for five years. She is amazing. We all love her. Oh, so beautiful. She, she actually also now goes and cooks meals that we freeze to give out to people who need. She has become such a vital part of the centre. A couple of years ago, she ended up having a slight incident and ended up in hospital. And her son said to me, he was amazed at how many people had come in to see his mum. He said, I didn't realise mum had that many friends. And they were all the craft women, all checking out on her 
keeping an eye on her and she's become such a vital part of our community centre. And that's such a regional rural response, isn't it? I grew up in Wollonga, was country in my day, and my mum belonged to a quilting group, and they did friendship quilts for women who uh, yes. were suffering domestic violence, and we're talking years and years ago. But that friendship amongst them just deepened and deepened, and they would all look out for each other. And as you said, sometimes husbands would pass away or tragedies would happen, and it just kept building that connection. Absolutely. And you know what I love about this group, Kerry, is that you know, if I think back five, six years ago, if ever they were going to do something like within the centre, they'd always come and almost want to ask my permission. Not that they ever needed it, but they always needed to check in. I love it because now they just go and do it and they come in and tell me about it. And I love that because that for me means that they own that group. That is their group to run. I'm just here just to keep the lights on for them. That's all. And that's the beauty of a community centre space. It absolutely is. Now, Marie, you've probably got everyone curious now. How do we find out more and be involved? And importantly, how can the community support? So we're located in Kingscote in Telegraph Road. If people want to find out more about Junction Community Centre, they just go to the Junction website at junction.org.au. And I think with the community centres, you know, we're happy to take whatever support's needed. Food is probably the biggest one. And we've been amazed this Christmas at the number of people just dropping in to, to donate food to our, our Christmas hampers. A lovely initiative that I've seen on the island with our garden group and with the Progress is that they had their Christmas parties and rather than do a Kris Kringle, they've actually all bought in something to donate to a Christmas hamper, which has been a lovely initiative. We've had people turning up with bootloads of food to actually put into the hampers and it's just been an incredible response. Don't you love how that human spirit gets moved, particularly when everyone together makes such a strong yeah. impact. Marie, I've really enjoyed hearing about the Kangaroo Island Community Centre today and I'm sure our listeners will continue doing the great work that you do. Really, the world would not be the same without people like yourself with that driving passion. Thank you. And I'd like to say a big thank you to Community Centres SA, Kerry, because without their support, community centres would be really struggling too. So I'd like to say thank you back to you guys as well. It's our pleasure. Thank you for listening. These podcasts bring you stories from across the state of all the great work being done in our communities and general topics of community interest. Share the podcast with your networks and send us any feedback to info at communitycentressa.asn.au. Community Conversations. For more information, check out communitycentressa.asn.au.